All right, so continuing with sectionalism, we left off with the Lincoln-Douglas debate, or the first part of it. This is where we get into the Freeport debate, and this is notable due to Douglas's articulation of the Freeport Doctrine. Now, Lincoln is going to insist that Douglas answer whether or not a territory could vote down slavery, despite the Dred Scott case. Douglas answered that territories could refuse to, uh, to pass laws protecting slaves, and this effectively ended slavery in that territory. Now, Douglas's position was not new. It wasn't surprising. But his public response was going to lead to a split in his party and basically an end to his chance of winning the presidency in 1860. Douglas's popular sovereignty position is going to prevail in the election, and despite his loss, Lincoln was in the national spotlight and he became a leading Republican for the party's presidential nomination in 1860. Now there's going to be an attack on Harper's Ferry by a man named John Brown. Brown's scheme was to secretly invade the South and create a slave rebellion, give slaves arms, and establish a kind of black free state. He gained financial assistance for weapons from specific northern abolitionists. October of 1859, Brown is going to seize the arsenal at Harper's Ferry, Virginia. There's going to be seven innocent people that are going to end up being killed, including a free black. Ten others would be wounded. Most slaves were unaware of Brown's strike and did not rise up in rebellion. Brown and his followers were trapped in the armory and eventually surrendered to Captain Robert E. Lee. Brown and his followers were hanged after their trial. Now, he's going to end up being a martyr for the North. Abolitionists and free soilers were infuriated by Brown's execution. Some attributed Christ-like characteristics to him. One of those being Ralph Waldo Emerson. Moderate Northerners, including Republic leaders, are going to deplore Brown's attack. Now, the effects of Harper's Ferry were very ominous in Southern eyes. Brown was seen as an agent of Northern abolitionism and an anti-slavery conspiracy that they thought was going on. Southern states began to organize militias for protection against future threats, and essentially this was the beginning of the Confederate Army. The attack was perhaps the most immediate cause of disunion besides Lincoln's election that would come in 1860. So that election. Now the Democratic Party was split in two. The Northern Whigs nominated Stephen Douglas after the lower south states walked out. Southern fire eaters regarded him as a traitor for his position on the Kansas Lecompton Constitution and his advocacy of the Freeport Doctrine. The Southern Democratic Party nominated John C. Breckinridge. He was a, a Kentucky moderate and not a disunionist. And his platform was the extension of slavery into the territories and the annexation of Cuba. The Constitutional Union Party nominated John Bell of Tennessee. It wanted to preserve the Union and saw Bell as a compromise candidate. It consisted of former Whigs from the Upper South and the Know Nothing Party. It feared that a Lincoln victory would cause the Lower South states to secede, which, I mean, you know, they weren't wrong. The Republicans, so we got four, four candidates here, the Republicans nominated Abraham Lincoln. Now, the Republican platform was very significant, as virtually all of it became law in the 1860s. It was a non-extension of slavery, for, and this was for the Free Soilers. 
there was a protective tariff for the industrialists. Uh, no loss of rights for immigrants. Now, this is going to disappoint the know-nothings, because remember, they were nativists. The Transcontinental Railroad for the Northwest. International improvements for the West as a federal, sorry, at federal expense. And free homesteads from the public domain for the farmers. Southern secessionists warned that the election of Lincoln would split the Union. Lincoln was not an abolitionist, yet he issued no statement to quell Southern fears. Lincoln chose not to campaign and let his record stand on its own. The presidential election of 1860 was the most sectional in U.S. history. Lincoln was elected with only 40% of the vote. Lincoln won all northern states except New Jersey and Missouri with 180 electoral votes to 123. Lincoln was not allowed on the ballot in 10 of the southern states. Breckenridge won all lower south states plus Arkansas, Maryland, and Delaware. Bell won the border states of Virginia and Kentucky and the middle south state of Tennessee. Douglas won only Missouri and New Jersey but finished second in popular votes. goofy thing. There. Alright, so the South still had both houses of Congress and a majority on the Supreme Court, but it no longer felt secure in the U.S. December of 1860, South Carolina is going to be the first to unanimously vote to secede from the Union. Within six weeks, six other states seceded during Buchanan's lame duck period. These are going to be the states of Mississippi, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, and Texas. Four other states would later secede in April of 1861 after the beginning of the Civil War. So Virginia, Arkansas, North Carolina, and Tennessee. They would refuse to fight fellow Southerners and to heed Lincoln's call for volunteers. Now, the Confederate States of America is going to form in Montgomery, Alabama. Jefferson Davis is going to be chosen as a president of a provisional government to be located at Richmond, Virginia. This is going to be after Fort Sumter in April of 1861. President Buchanan did little to prevent Southern secession. He believed the Constitution did not give him the authority to stop secession with force. Most significantly, the Union Army was not ready to fight a war. Many of his advisors were also pro-Southern, and Northern sentiments favored a peaceful settlement. Lincoln continued Buchanan's policy when he became president. A use of force would likely have driven the border states of Maryland and Kentucky to secede and would probably have meant the end of the Union as it existed. Now, the reasons for, for Southern secession. There, is, there was a political balance that appeared to favor to favor the North. Southerners hated the sectional Republican Party, which appeared to threaten Southern rights. Southerners hated free soil criticism, abolitionism, and Northern interference such as the Underground Railroad and John Brown's Raid. Many Southerners felt secession would be unopposed. Northern industrialists were were dependent dependent on Northern repayment of loans and cotton, and they could not afford to cut these economic ties. Southern debts could be repudiated in case of war, hurting northern banks. Many hoped to end the uh, the long-time dependence to the north, so the south could now develop its own banking and shipping and trade directly with Europe instead of having to have a middleman, and the south could escape high tariffs that were championed by northerners. Southerners believed they had the high moral ground as well. The 13 original states had voluntarily entered the Union, so, so this 
compact theory. Basically, you give the right to be governed. Now, southern states were voluntarily withdrawing from it. They saw self-determination in the Declaration of Independence as applying to them. So, the right to replace a government with one that needs, or the one that meets the needs of people. Alright, now, last little thing is the Crittenden Amendments. This is going to be a final attempt at a compromise, and this is going to be proposed by Senator John K. Crittenden of Kentucky. These proposed laws were designed to appease the South. So the provisions stated that slavery in the territories would be prohibited north of 3630, but given full federal protection south of the line, even in new territories such as Cuba. Also, popular sovereignty for any future states, meaning they could pick what they wanted, but it, it was rejected by Lincoln, and all hope of a compromise was gone. Lincoln saw himself elected on the principle of non-extension of slavery. 